All right, so exciting mornings. I don't know what that noise was. That was neat. I don't know. Something about to blow up. What? What's happening? Help me. Help me. Oh, exciting morning, getting things dialed in. We're working constantly on trying to get the uh, online side of things dialed in even better. We're, we've added a little volume control and some things, and, and we're going to continue to improve that and, and make it work even better as, as time goes on. But it, it's a work in progress. We know that. We don't have all of the components. I do need to teach a few other people. So if you're a person that uses computers frequently and would like to learn how to set up the live stream, it's actually very simple um, to do. It, it doesn't take much work at all then let me know, because I would love to add a few more folks to the, the team of me right now um, that knows how to do it. Uh, it would be really great to, to teach a couple other folks. Uh, I know I, I taught, uh, I taught my, my one friend, and, and he's, he's moving to Greencastle now. Um, and so that's uh, very sad, but, but he'll be back sometimes, right? He said, he told me. Anyway, um, so we'll, we'll see. But it, it's good. It's good. Uh, hopefully you, you are encouraged by the work that our, our food pantry and our, our missions team is doing, reaching out to the community. I really hope you're encouraged by it. I know I am. Um, it's an incredible, incredible resource, all right? I don't know about you, but uh, we started this series three weeks ago. It's already been three weeks. Um, I joke all the time that Christmas is tomorrow, but I'm telling you what, Christmas is almost tomorrow. Like, August will be over. Next week, August is half over already. Um, it just flies time. It's just begun to fly by and as parents, if you don't know this, uh, your school starts this week. My kids at school start a week and a half ago. Last week um, was a blur. Like, I don't, it, it was weird. Like, everybody was back in school except for Kaylee. She goes back this week um, to ISU. And so it just, once school gets back in, because remember, you haven't sent your kids to school since, like, last year. I don't know when it was that we sent our kids to school. Man, things just fly, fly by. So hang on, and when you get a chance, stop and enjoy the moment that you're living in, because, hey... Um, it's not going to come around again, and uh, life, life does pass us by very, very quickly. So the series began with the question, are we there yet? And so what I'm going to propose to you is this. What if I said almost, but not quite? Does that answer annoy anyone? Is anyone a destination person? Like you got to get there and get it done, and you just that's just how you uh, work life. Well, here's the thing. As a youth minister, I invented quite possibly the greatest answer ever to that question, are we there yet? As you can imagine, we would travel all over the country and actually even other parts of the world on mission trips, on concert trips, on trips to the theme park, you name it. We went. We had a great time. And inevitably on every trip, multiple students would ask the question, are we there yet, right? And so I invented a perfect answer that I would give every single time someone asked me that question. And I do mean every time someone asked that question. And my family is serving in the basement this morning, so Courtney is the only representative. So Courtney, what was the answer that I would always tell them? How long? What do you mean you never heard? That's not possible. I've told my kids. She doesn't pay attention apparently. Anyway, I would always say every time, 10 more minutes. Every time somebody asked, I would say 10 more minutes. Every single time. Some kids would ask four or five times, and every time I would say, 10 more minutes. Eventually, some of them would go, wait a minute. I thought he said. The sad part was, some of them it would take an hour to figure out. Some of them it would take the entire trip to figure it out. Some of them, I'm convinced to this day, still never figured out what I was doing. Now, the real genius part of this answer is a couple things. One, I wasn't wrong. I wasn't lying to them. There was a point in time on that trip where we were exactly 10 minutes away. Yes. Also, we were always at least 10 minutes away. 
So every time you ask, well, yeah, 10, it'll be in 10 minutes. The only problem I had was when we actually got under the 10-minute mark, no one ever believed me. I don't know why that was. But see, it made the anticipation of the arrival even better. That's the story of our, our Christian walk, the Christian life. We live in this state of almost, but not quite yet. I'll explain that a lot further later on, right? How many of you remember traveling in the days before the wonderful GPS existed. Anyone remember those days? We used these things called maps. Yeah, they were big and hard to... Anyway, um, as a very young kid, I became the co-pilot. Um, I actually kicked my... My parents had two, not one, two Pintos when I was a kid. Yes, an orange one and a red one. Some of you are like, what's a Pinto? I thought that was a bean. That's another story. Anyway... They had two, and so as you can imagine, the uh, two-door version, very difficult to put child seat in back seat, and so um, they didn't bother with that, rules, things, airbags, we didn't have all that, so put me in the front seat, and I really never left. Like, I kicked my mom out of the front seat when I was a baby, and she never got back in until I moved out. That was kind of how that worked. So I, I was the co-pilot. I was in charge of giving directions. I was even, um, that was a fun thing, I would even map out the trips before we would go. I would calculate the mileage by measuring on the map and how many miles it was to places. Then I would divide that by how, how fast I thought my dad would go, and I'd give us an approximate time for when we got there. Now, often that was delayed. I did have five little sisters, so we had a few stops to make along the way, as you can Imagine, right? But back in those days, do you ever remember traveling? You're driving along, the trip's going great, and then you see the dreaded orange signs. Yes, construction is upon us. Or worse, the detour, the road close sign, right? Oh, my goodness. Now, you could, of course, follow the state-recommended detour, which usually sends you 500 miles out of the way where you actually wanted to be. Or you could get out your map. And if you were in a largely populated area, there were roads all around. And you could look at those roads and try to figure out a way to navigate around the detour. But a lot of times those detours came upon you when you were not in a major metropolitan area. And so you had to go, well, here we go. <laughs> Turn off the road. There you go off on your own. Now, back in those days, you had to know things like direction. Yes, north, south, east, west come in very, very handy when you're doing those things. But you'd be driving down that nice road that turned into a county road that turned into the gravel road that eventually turned into one-lane dirt road, and you're wondering, it's very dark now, where on earth am I? Did anyone ever have this experience besides us? Yeah, that was the reality of our day. But here's the thing, I'm here today, so clearly, I eventually made it to our destination because the reality of this is this. We had a destination to get to, right? And we're going to get there. It may not be till three in the morning, but doggone it, we're going to get there because no little detour, no little road construction, no little road closure is going to prevent us from getting to our destination, <laughs> right? How about the non-existent road? Remember that one on the map? Yeah, it's not really there. Yeah, we all had that happen. I had that happen on Google Maps actually while in Houston the summer before I arrived here. Roads that you could see them, they were dangling in the air, but they weren't finished yet, so you really couldn't drive on them. <sighs> Today, I wanted to start by specifically addressing people that have confessed their faith in Christ. And if you've not yet done that, and maybe, maybe this pandemic, pandemic for some reason has caused you, possibly for the first time, or maybe again, to consider that maybe there's something greater out there in this world than just what the world has to offer, then please listen closely. Because as believers, we actually have a role to play on this planet. We're to set the example. We are to be Christ 
to those that do not know him yet. And as the body of Christ, which we also call the church, we are to be loving you in such a way that you can begin to personally experience the love of Jesus in your life. Please understand, none of us will be perfect at that. We wish we could. Our example will be flawed, but here's what we know. God can still use us if we allow him. His spirit will still be evident in our lives if we allow it to exist within us. Truly, this is one of the reasons why we gather in places like this, to praise God, to build each other, to be better equipped for the battle that exists when we leave these doors, to become a better example so that we can lead whoever doesn't know Christ yet one step closer to Jesus than they are today. But believers, I got to ask during this time especially, how well are we doing at our stated task, our stated mission during this worldwide event that's still unfolding before our very eyes, even in our state of Indiana, how well are we doing at representing the love of Jesus and the love and truth that he has to offer to those around us? During the last several months, actually beginning in March, the Barna Research Group, if you haven't heard of them, they're a very large uh, faith-based organization that does a lot of faith-based research. They began studying trends in church attendance and engagement starting in March when the COVID-19 Rules were all set in place, and distancing pushed a lot of church services online. And I quote, This study has shown that among practicing Christians, and this is the way they define practicing Christians, those who identify as a Christian, they agree strongly that their faith is very important to them in their lives, and they attend church at least monthly prior to COVID-19. Now, over half of those people that used to attend church, this, this group of dedicated believers, if you will, over half, 53%, say that they stream their church service regularly online to this day. Some of them are doing a little church hopping, if you will, online watching other churches as well, but they are still engaged. But the most troubling number from this, this research that they've done is this. About one-third, 32% of practicing Christians have done neither. Since the church doors closed and things got moved online, they have done nothing. They've stopped attending church completely altogether. Again, these are active Christians, not the people that were just casually every once in a while here. The percentages break down this way. 26% of the baby boomers, 35% of my generation, Generation X, and 50% of millennials have stopped attending church altogether, according to the study. Remember, these were active, practicing, participating Christians. Church, we've got to reverse this trend. We have to reach out to our brothers and sisters in Christ with the love and truth of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 is one that churches often use to just try to increase attendance. That's not what we're talking about. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We cannot give up meeting together. However that has to take place in the environment in which we live, we cannot give up meeting together. According to the Word of God, it is not an optional behavior for believers. We've got to continue to spur, to push one another toward love, and good deeds, to strengthen one another, to hold each other accountable. We have to encourage one another. In fact, Hebrews is telling us we should meet all the more often as the day approaches. Now, 
What is the day the author of Hebrews is talking about? Well, it could be a couple of things. He absolutely was writing this to a Jewish audience. And so it absolutely could have been referring to the day of Jerusalem's destruction, which was imminent during the time period in which this was written. But it can easily be interpreted for each and every one of us today because I hate to tell you this and don't feel like this is a morbid statement because it's not. My days, your days, they're numbered. They're numbered. Jesus might return in our lifetimes. Absolutely he could but he might not. Our day is rapidly approaching, is it not? All the more reason we should never give up meeting together. Now, if you dig a little deeper into the research that they found among those, that same group, the practicing Christians that have stopped or lessened participating in church altogether, figure this out. Their spiritual growth had been hindered. (laughs) You think. I wonder why that would be. Respondents who have stopped attending church during COVID-19 are more likely to be anxious about life. They're less likely to have inner peace. They're more likely to feel bored all of the time, quotes, and more likely to feel insecure during at least a portion of every single day. Do you think that's a coincidence? No, probably not. Do you think there's a reason people who have begun distancing themselves from church are starting to feel this way? I don't think it's a coincidence at all. Church, we've got to reach out today. If you were paying attention when you walked in, the slides, there's going to be hopefully each each week maybe a different slide, but this week there was a new slide in the mix in the announcements. It was, hey, while you're sitting here, look around, see if there's somebody you haven't seen in a while, send them a text message. Hey, you can join us right now online, and the website is up there for them to join us right now online. You can just take a picture and send it to them right away and get them involved Maybe after church, send them a message. Right after church, check on them. There's a chance. Last week, we had over 60 people watching online at various times. There's a chance that they're joining us online. We may or may not know whether or not they're joining us online. So check in with them. If they are awesome, have a conversation with them about what was seen and heard and what we talked about and prayed for and did in service. And if they're not joining us online, then encourage them to do so. At least start back that way. Encourage them. Pray for them, but don't just pray for them. Pray with them on the phone or even via text. It's going to be a long text to type out, but that's okay. You see, here's the issue. One of the things that some inside the church and nearly everyone outside of the church believes is that this worldwide event is about a virus. (laughs) Do you believe that? Because most people do. That it's simply a matter of public health. Now, this is not some political conspiratory theory. This is reality. I don't believe that's true. I believe it absolutely is a spiritual battle like we've never, ever seen before on this planet. Don't believe me? Find another event since the time of Christ where one-third of the people that claim faith in him just decided to completely abandon his body and walk away from it. Go ahead. Good luck. (laughs) I dare you. You're not going to find anything. A place where people are now choosing to be isolated from the body of Christ all at once. Who do you think is behind that movement of people away from the church? This is some of Satan's finest work, people. It absolutely is. And here's the problem as believers. Not only have we allowed it to happen, in many cases we've made excuses for it. 
We've allowed fear to dominate maybe even our own lives, and we've allowed our sinful desires to take over and use the virus as an excuse to walk away from the church and her mission. Because you know what? It's easier not to gather. It's easier not to come in on a Sunday morning. It's easier to say you're going to watch online, sleep in, I'll watch it later, and the next thing you know, it's the next Sunday, isn't it? And you never did catch up with what you missed the week before. And before long, there's no engagement at all. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't a malicious statement. It was a gradual, slow, over time for so many people. Satan slowly pulls them away. Here's the thing, believers, we love that we have this technology available to us. There's someone not here today because their family was potentially exposed to the virus and they wanted to stay away to make sure to keep all of you safe and themselves as well. And that is awesome. And you know what? They can stay home and they can be right here with us right now. And that is incredible. It is incredible. And so if you're joining us online, this is not about you not being here physically This is about those that have completely abandoned every method we're trying to try to reach out to those people. It is a blessing to reach out to those that are physically unable to come in during this time or have that health condition that puts them at higher risk. It is awesome for those that are too far away. We've got family members. I've told you, I've got a sister in Haiti that's watching right now. We've got family members that are too far away to be able to be here, and yet they want to be connected. And so this is a method for them to do that. There are those that are out there, and they're searching, and who knows how they stumbled onto us, but somehow, some way they did, and they're hearing the gospel news, the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. They're checking out what on earth is that church on the corner doing out there, and they could find out a little bit more about us. That's exactly what this technology is for, and we're going to continue to use it to the best of our abilities to do just those very things. But we must remember. Remember, we were never intended to just watch a service. And let me give you an example, because I grew up in the Christian church much like many of you. We were never designed to just watch a service. And here's what's happened. If any of you have ever visited a church service somewhere else where the participants in the service actually participated, some of you were very uncomfortable, weren't you? You were very uncomfortable by the movement, by the things that were happening all around you because you're used to going and sitting and not moving and not saying anything, and not doing anything, and I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with those actions. I'm just saying we were designed, created to participate in the experience, wherever it is that we're experiencing it from. If our circumstances force us to attend a church from home, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because church is a place of engagement. It's not a place you go. Church is the body of Christ. It's who we are. It's not a service that meets once a week. Church is an opportunity to join with other believers, raise our voices to our King, to our Savior, to the Lord of Lords, for He alone is worthy of our praise, right? It's not a place for passive viewing. It's a place to have ears for what He would have to say to us through His Word being preached. We should engage with that. We should engage with the worship as the words, once again, to speak, can speak to our very souls if we allow them. When we gather We remember the sacrifice that was made for us each and every week as we partake of communion and what Christ did for us, the links he went to, to save us from our sin, to restore the broken relationship between God and man. Believers, we are to seek and save the lost. And unfortunately, in these times in which we live, some of those lost now might include those whom we once partnered with along this walk, those that were once an active part of the body of Christ, but have begun to walk away for some reason. This is a spiritual battle. 
both for the souls of those that do not know Christ yet. It's a literal attempt to keep them from ever physically coming to know and experience the love of Jesus for themselves, but it's also a battle that's trying desperately hard and winning in a lot of cases to pull those from within the body, within the love of Christ, and put them out on their own where they're isolated, where they're vulnerable to the attacks of the evil one. Have you considered that? (laughs) At this time, and really at all times, we've got to remember that Jesus came to bring us life, right? John 10, 10, life and life to the fullest. But what we often do is forget what the first half of the verse says. Jesus didn't just tell us what we were getting out of this. He told us, what Satan was going to try to do in the midst of us. He was coming to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to look around right now. He's come to steal our joy, to destroy our fellowship, our freedom, even take our love from us. He has come to destroy our lives in whatever way might possibly cause us to begin to distance ourselves from the source of life, Jesus. Have you seen Satan at work doing that? Maybe even in your own battles through this time. He has come to try to kill the Spirit of God at work within us. Here's the thing. Satan does not have the power to do that unless we help him. We have to assist him. All the more reason why we need one another to encourage each other. We should not be afraid. We should not be anxious. We should not allow the world to paralyze us with fear. We have been given a spirit to fight with. Against every single one of those things, Paul writes, 2 Timothy 1.7, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, His power, love, and self-discipline. It's an incredibly encouraging passage, and we have to remember that that is what is within us. Now, in these times, and I've talked to believers that would say these things, they might say, I just don't have the strength, I just don't have the courage to be bold, to live out this faith that I have right now, to overcome the fear of the world. You know what God would say to that? Perfect! You finally figured it out. You're right. You don't have the power. You don't at all. As a matter of fact, I am the only source that you can go to to get the power that you need to overcome these things. I'm so happy you finally figured this out. You can't do it on your own. In your weakness, I am made strong. Paul is the one that famously wrote those words. He was pleading with God to take away this thorn in his flesh. And there's lots of speculation as to what that thorn might be, but Paul never identified it for us. What Paul learned from this experience for him and for us is priceless. Verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. See, so often in our weaknesses, we say, God's power, God, you failed me because I'm having this time of weakness. When our hardships, our trials come, our challenges, we begin to then challenge God's existence rather than call upon his power in our lives. Paul writes to a group of believers that are struggling to mature in their faith in Ephesians 4. He tells them that their goal, their collective goal is for all of them to reach unity in the faith, to grow into the mature body of Christ together. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. We will then, only then, will we no longer be tossed back and forth like infants in the waves, blown here and there by every wind, every teaching, every report, and the cunningness and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It is essential that we, the body, be together. If we do not mature in this way, if we will not pursue Christ in this way, if we will not grow together, then we will remain as infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by the teachings, by the cunning, the craftiness of people, and their deceitful scheming. Right now, people are being deceived, and I'm not talking about the virus. I'm talking about the life that they're living. They are being deceived and tricked and fearful of something that they don't need to fear. Even those that were once active believers have now abandoned the mission and the love of Jesus. Those outside of Christ are paralyzed with fear and anxiety, which is preventing them from even living freely in the freest country on planet Earth. Fellow Christians, it's up to us. It's why we're here. God has intentionally placed you here right now in this moment. I want you to think about that. Over the last five months, how many times have you sat down on your own in your baby or devotion time or just as you were driving and thought, you know, I bet God has me here on this planet during this pandemic for a very specific reason. Anybody come up with that thought lately? Probably not. But did you know he did? They absolutely did. There's a reason you didn't exist at some other point in history. There was a reason you're born when you were. There's a reason you live where you do, you work where you work. There's a reason for every single relationship you have. You are God's workmanship. He has a plan for your life right now at this moment in history. That Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has good works for you to do. Right now, during this pandemic, that did not surprise God. He knew it was coming. He knew you would be here. Are we doing these things during this time? Do you view this moment in your life as this this incredible opportunity to reach out to those that do not have the peace that you do? Or do you view this moment in life as a major, major setback? Only God can change your perspective. God alone will give you the strength. God alone provides the hope. helps us to overcome the fear, offers the peace that every single one of us need in our lives. If you're a believer in or a follower of Jesus, then you are free. It is yours. Own it. Live it. Don't give it away to this world and its evil desires. If you are seeking Jesus, he is here for you right now. If you accidentally happened upon Jesus, which you might think is an accident, but was completely a divine appointment from his end. If you happen to just be flipping through the World Wide Web this morning on YouTube and you saw this crazy guy in a turquoise shirt talking about telling kids 10 more minutes, you're wondering, what on earth is this guy talking about? Then I want to tell you right now that he, Jesus, wants you right now exactly how you are. Claim your freedom today. He's offering it. See, as a believer, we live in this incredible state I'm not talking about Indiana, though it is a pretty nice place. I'm talking about the reality that, in a sense, 
The answer to the question, are we there yet, is yes, we are. We've arrived into the arms of our everlasting Jesus. Father, the whole package is ours. We are his. We belong to him. But that is not the end of our journey. He's given us this opportunity now to live our life and experience this life to the fullest potential within his love. But we have a race to run, don't we? Are we running as if to win, carried by the strength of God alone, or are we limping through this life on our own abilities? For example, the scripture compares this reality, the Christian life, to the race we must finish, to a pilgrimage we must make toward a city that is to come, Hebrews 13, verse 14. Christians are called to take up their cross and follow after Christ, Matthew 6, 24, to walk in fellowship with him and to press on toward the goal for the prize of God in Christ Jesus. Are we? Are we pressing on toward that goal to win this prize for which God has called us heavenward? Or or are we quitting the team, turning in our uniform and exchanging it for the fear and the uncertainty that the world has to offer? You see, this world will decay. This world will pass away. Our bodies will eventually wear down and return to the dust from which they were created. But for the believer, God's kingdom is at hand. The power of heaven literally broke through into this broken world to the person and work of Jesus Christ. He declared the kingdom of God is at hand in Matthew 4, 17. He proved it. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He even raised the dead. And even today, when we preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, it allows anyone, anyone to call on his name and come to him. We are testifying that God's kingdom is here now, but... There's even more to come. Scripture teaches that the kingdom of heaven has not yet fully and finally arrived, has it? The ultimate fulfillment of God's saving purpose remains in the future. God still calls his church, that's us, to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who delivers us from wrath to come. For this reason, even as believers, we still face these unanticipated obstacles, difficulties, struggles, events in life, these opposing forces as our journey toward heaven ultimately encounters the world. But what what are we to do? Well, we are to seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all else will be added. That's in the future. And pray for his future arrival on this earth. Are we doing those things? So are we there yet? Well, when a sinner turns to Christ, the answer to that question is yes, absolutely. They are immediately united with Christ in him, and they enjoy access to their future destination. The author of Hebrews announces that when you come to Christ, you come to the Mount of Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven, Hebrews 12, 22. Paul similarly says that Christians also are joined to Christ in such a way that in him they are already seated with him in those heavenly realms, Ephesians 2, 6. And yet the answer to the question is, are we there yet? Well, no, not quite. No, not quite. We're still waiting, aren't we? We're still seeking. We're still walking by faith and not yet by sight. 
So the more complete answer to our question about our Christian arrival is, yes, we are there, and no, we're not quite there yet. I know that sounds strange, but it's actually an incredible truth. It's because Christians have already come to Christ by faith that they can and should race toward the future with this unbounded passion and enthusiasm and excitement for what's to come. It's because that we are already citizens of heaven that we can boldly await the return of our Savior Jesus to this earth, Philippians 3.20. So believer in Christ, whatever lies ahead, turn your eyes to Jesus. Run with endurance the race that he has set before you, but do it knowing that you are counted among those on whom the end of the ages has already come. For Christ has brought the end of the ages to you, and soon he will come again for all who are eagerly awaiting his arrival. So are we there yet? (sighs) Not fully. (laughs) Way less than that. Not fully. Not fully. But you know what the most comforting thing in the entire universe is? Though we are not completely there yet, you know who's here? He is. Jesus is here in this moment with us, whatever we might be going through. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So whatever you're facing, wherever on your journey of life has now led you to this point, even if it's dark on that journey of faith, you've wandered down that one lane gravel road on some kind of crazy detour, Jesus is saying that there is light to come. The day will dawn, wrongs will be righted, and right will win out. His kingdom will come in your marriage, in your business, in your family, in your health. And even if everything fails, even if your life itself leaves you, he will not. For the kingdom will finally come through the resurrection power, through the Savior who is coming back to establish this new heaven and this new earth. There will be no more tears and no more sorrow. It's an incredible word. And if you've got friends and family members and people that you work with that are just so discouraged and fearful, I challenge you to share these last three weeks with them. Offer the hope of Christ to them. As we move forward, what we're going to do the next couple weeks is we're going to look at some of the things that have become a uh, symbol, if you will, of the reality in which we live And so many of us look at these symbols as incredibly negative, terrible, even evil things. And what we're going to do is, as a body of Christ, we're going to look at those symbols and go, you know what, I'm going to turn that into something for Christ. I'm going to turn that into something that helps me grow spiritually. And I'm going to turn that into a way that I can witness and reach out to other people. Because there are things we see every day. There are things we hear every day. There are things that are talked about all over the place every day. And we're going to give you an opportunity to latch onto some of those things and then use them to grow the kingdom of Christ, first in your own heart and then as you reach out to others. Don't miss this moment. We want to continue to offer the opportunity to pray, to offer the opportunity to accept Christ. If you're watching online, there's a place right there where you can hit a prayer button, and uh, there's somebody back in the sound booth that might happen to see that, and they hopefully will, will pray with you. If not, someone will grab that later and be able to engage with you online. Connect with us however possible. Respond to the Spirit. Father God, It is incredible how we can live this life if we choose. 
Father, regardless of the things going on around us, I, I, I really would challenge believers as we face fear and doubts and uncertainties and things in our lives to just look into, uh, look up the voice of the martyrs and their organization, look up open doors and the works they're doing around this world with those being persecuted for their faith and see the fear that those people daily live in and yet they boldly proclaim their faith every day knowing that that day could be their last. Father, as we face these worldwide events, they're only going to continue. They're only going to grow. They're only going to grow in intensity as time marches on. And Father, you've left us here. You've left us, your remnant, your people to go and to bring peace and to bring love and to cast out fear from the darkness and to bring your light. May we be about your work in these times. And if we personally are struggling with doubts and fears, Father, please give us the strength and the courage to just quit trying to face it on our own, to seek help first from you and your word, but Father, seek help from other believers. Allow us to build each other up, to encourage one another, just as it talks about in the book of Hebrews. Allow us to be there for one another so that we can all be joined together and unified and built up and strengthened as you call us to be, grown into spiritual maturity, so that these life events as they happen all around us will not blow us here and there as they currently do. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence in this place this morning and for the gift of your son who willingly came and died for each and every one of us so that we too may have life in his name. It's in Jesus' name we pray.